So, hi, this is Christine Blake with W2 Communications. I'm the host of Inside the Media Minds. Inside the Media Minds features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories and give you the behind-the-scenes look at the life of a tech reporter. We'll learn about the person behind the byline and get their thoughts on the top trending stories. So I'm so excited today because on today's show, we're talking to um, the phenomenal Megan Gates from Security Management Magazine. Um, she's the associate editor there and a fellow local to the Northern Virginia area. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for having me and uh, for using the word phenomenal. I don't get that very often. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I was looking through some of my emails this morning. I know we've worked together for almost four years now um, since you've been with Security Management Magazine. So um, we've always loved working with you and love the content that you produce. So, um, you know, just for listeners, we'd love to get um, your perspective on Security Management Magazine, the type of stories you cover, and, um, and a little bit of background. Yeah, so Security Management, we are published by ASIS International. It's a security professionals association, um, so it's targeted towards security directors, people at the executive level, so these are people making um, security policy decisions, they're hiring people, um, they're purchasing equipment for, for their companies um, to meet security mm -hmm. needs. And so as the cybersecurity editor, I write about um, cybersecurity issues, trends, um, you know, regulatory problems uh, mm. that impact corporate cybersecurity. So that's kind of our, our niche audience. So, mm. And we're a monthly magazine, come yeah. out every 12 months in print still, which is exciting. And um, <laughs> we also have a web presence. So Great. So in your four years there, how has things changed in reporting the news? Have you seen an evolution? Definitely. I mean, cyber is a very easy one because I, I remember when I first got on the cyber beat um, and t having to kind of explain to people what it was that I was covering. Right. People were like, cyber, that sounds technical. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, that does not matter to me. And now everybody's like, oh, cybersecurity, it's important. Yeah. You know, people, I guess, you know, that is a side effect of having so many of these major data breaches that have impacted mm -hmm. so many people across the globe that people now have this awareness of what cybersecurity is at a, even a basic level. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember um, when the WannaCry ransomware attack happened last year, we were we had the local like NBC News on and they were talking about ransomware and it's become a household name and I'm like, wow, like I never thought this this would happen so soon. So it's kind of cool. Um, so this podcast, we really want to get to know the person behind the byline. So we have um, a couple questions for you just to kind of get to know you a little more personally. Um, we know you love your coffee. Um, we see you tweeting about it and everything. So how many how many cups do you have of coffee a day? Um, I'm kind of embarrassed to answer this question. <laughs> okay. I mean, it really depends on, on the day. Uh -huh. Sorry, my phone's coming. Um, it depends on the day. I mean, but I usually get to work um, and I have probably three to four cups of coffee mm -hmm. in the morning. Um, and then we are very fortunate. My office is in Old Town, Alexandria, so we have tons of great coffee shops yeah. there. So I usually go and get coffee at some point in the mm -hmm. afternoon. Um, so probably using up on like five to six, mm -hmm. maybe not the most healthy amount of caffeine. <laughs> hey, gets the job done, right? <laughs> exactly. What's your favorite place to go in Old Town, Alexandria for coffee? Um, well, yeah, don't judge me for my 7-Eleven that's here right now with me. Uh, I needed it for the car and it was convenient, mm -hmm. but probably 
it depends on the time of day. Misha's, um, just off of King Street, is excellent. They're a coffee mm-hmm. shop and roaster. So I like to go there in, like, the mornings or if you're, like, yeah. going to go and, like, hang out and you want a really sunny environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also this other great shop called Killer ESP. Mm-hmm. They sell pie. and so We actually had a meeting there. Hopefully you're seeing Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. So another great spot to, like, to meet people and then have lunch or if you're going to hang out, like, in the evening and you want coffee. Yeah. Definitely awesome. a good place. Cool. So what's your writing ritual like? Do you write the best in the morning or at night? I, I am not a morning writer person. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of structure my day. So usually I will do like interviews or check in my emails, stuff like that in the morning. And then sure. I like to write in the afternoon. And sometimes, you know, usually I will end up getting like on a, on a roll with a story that I'm working mm-hmm. on, you know, especially if it's a bigger feature. You sort of get to this point of like you're writing and you don't want to stop. So sometimes yeah. I will just stay at the office until I finish. So That's good. Yeah. Um, cool. So I'm just curious, what got you interested in journalism? Is that something you've always been interested in? You've always wanted to do it? Yeah. I mean, I've always been, I've always loved to read. Um, and I guess when I was in high school, you know, I always wanted to do something I knew when I became an adult person, I guess, <laughs> um, that involved writing. And I found out that I was really good, not at creative writing, mm-hmm. but technical writing, you know, researching a topic and then putting all the information together. Um, and so it was like, I wonder what kind of career paths are out there. And I was like, oh, well, journalism. Yeah. Plus, I always enjoyed like meeting people mm-hmm. um, and just having an excuse to ask them, you know, questions about what they do or yeah. are interested in. So. That's kind of how I got into journalism and, you know, have stuck with it. No, that's great. How would you um, characterize yourself as a journalist? Do you have um, any, like, personal goals or viewpoints that you think of um, when you think of your journalism career? Um, I mean, for me, when it comes to journalism, I like to, I always like to challenge myself, to push mm-hmm. myself, um, to try new things or write about different topics. I mean, um when I first went to college, my minor is in film studies because it's oh, like cool. I wanted to write about movies and the entertainment industry, which is obviously not <laughs> what I'm doing now. A little different, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how I got started, and I started working in our like student newspaper, writing like life stories. But then one of my editors recognized like, oh, Megan, she you know she learns really quickly. Let's like give her mm-hmm. some breaking news assignments or tell her to go to the courthouse and check on something and. You know, so I've always been one of those people that I like to push myself to learn about a new subject, mm-hmm. um, which is what makes cybersecurity great because it changes all the time. So exactly, and there's always new technical stuff to learn mm-hmm. and never stops. Yeah. So awesome. When you're looking for resources um, for your stories, how many you know for a typical story, how many resources do you like to have? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I would say for so. Our coverage for security management is kind of divided into, we do departments, um, just like a cybersecurity column, which mm-hmm. is around 1,500 to 2,000 words. So I really like to, if I can, have have three sources uh, that are people and then also have um, maybe like a report, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of like look at that. Um, like and third party resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when it comes to a feature, um, which can be like 3,000 words long, um, you know, depending on the subject, it really just depends on the story. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you have a topic and you only need to talk to three or four people, and sometimes you have a topic and you need more voices just because 
you know, a couple of people don't have all of the information that you need. Yeah, so. no, exactly. What do you think is your favorite um, topic to cover right now? I know there's a lot of different stuff going on in this space. Like, what is your favorite thing right now that you find the most interesting? I mean, I, this is really, like, wonky and nerdy, <laughs> but um, I really love all the stuff about data privacy. Okay. Um, like, you, the GDPR that's mm-hmm. coming out, you know, Australia just passed a new data breach law, and, and sort of this concept of, and covering about, you know, who owns your data, who has control over it, um, you know, and how companies keep and store data and are using it, because mm-hmm. that's going to become really, really important in the future. So I'm yeah. really interested in all the changes that are happening there mm-hmm. in sort of the regulatory space. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, how are you able to filter through the noise in the cybersecurity space where there's so many different um, solutions and issues going on? Yeah, well, that's one. That is one thing that um, helps with security management is that we have such a strong, like, brand and sort of like this is our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're writing for security professionals. So it's what do they need to know about what's what's important to them? What can I write that will help inform them and make, yeah. help them make good business decisions? You know, and good security decisions mm-hmm. for their organization. So that kind of helps. You know when you're looking through like your yeah. slew of emails about, <laughs> you know, all the new things that are happening and being like, okay, what, what does my audience really need to know about? Yeah. Speaking of emails, how many pitches do you get? On a regular <laughs> I know that's, like one, that's like a question that we love to, to uh, ask you guys. <laughs> I mean, it definitely depends on the day and like the time of week and also if there's been like a major breach, yeah. like, um, if there's a major breach or something happens, um, you know, I'll have, 20, at least 25 emails in my mm-hmm. inbox of people being like, hey, if you want to talk about this, I yeah. have these people, you know, or this resource, which is nice, you know, if I'm going to write about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, probably on a daily basis, you know, probably like 40 mm-hmm. emails, you know. That's impressive. Just <laughs> people wanting to touch base or being like, hey, we have this new thing. Are you interested? Let me know. Yeah. So, how about when you get back from vacation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, that's a scary number. I mean, the last time I came back from vacation, well, I'm I went to Ireland like two years oh, ago, cool. and I was like, I'm not checking my email while I'm gone. I'm no. on vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm unreachable. And I came back, and I had, I think like, eight hundred emails in my inbox, and I wow. was like, holy jeez, <laughs> so. that's impressive. No, um, it's it can be overwhelming, right? Getting that many emails and. Um, how do you, you know, pick resources, I guess, so to speak? Like, how do you um, filter through that and know which, you know, people that you want to talk to? Is it based on relationships? Is it based on topic areas? I mean, relationships, well, they definitely help. I yeah. mean, I think for me, going through my email and, like, looking, especially with, like, your guys' firm mm-hmm. or others that I've worked with in the past, like, you know know our audience and you know that, like, we're not going to write about someone's product unless we can talk to yeah. a client about how they're using it. Mm-hmm. So so having that, you know, sort of general knowledge with someone that you're working with when they pitch you an idea will make me more likely to mm-hmm. respond to it. Um, but then it's just what I'm interested in or what, what we're covering for the magazine yeah. or if somebody seems like a really um, a good, I guess, not unbiased source, mm-hmm. you know, that they have, like, a strong research background or they're going to work for, like, a university or right. they're you know, or doing some work for, like, a think tank. Those are always interesting, too. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's interesting because many companies have um, certain media processes, right? Mm-hmm. That they go about, and I know it can be inconvenient at times for reporters. But to what extent does it um, discourage you from taking briefings or seeking insights from these these folks? Um, I don't know if it discourages. It's just it's one of those things. Is like we only have so much time. Mm-hmm. You know, time is your most valuable resource, and so it's trying to figure out the balance of like. You know, I need to talk to these people for for a story, but then I also need, then I just want to meet people to make a connection. And sure. I'm not working on something right now, but I just want to have an introduction and get to know you, so that, you know, if I am working on a story in this area in the future, I can reach out to you. You know, we yeah, already so have that relationship. So. No, that's definitely beneficial. So, what is the what is one of your favorite articles that you've ever written or that you're most proud of? Oh man. Um, <laughs> trying to think because it's been a lot yes (laughs) there's a lot in the bank there um Mm -hmm. which is a good problem to have I guess yeah uh I really liked I did a big piece over this summer about um the electric grid and sort of looking at the cyber attacks that happened in in Ukraine that shut off the the electric grid there um and I guess how prepared the North America is um so basically the gist of the article is like we're okay like we still need to remain vigilant but um but that's been interesting because since I wrote that piece more information has come out um pointing to different vulnerabilities in Mm -hmm. our grid that need to be assessed yeah and I know that um regulators have issued like new cybersecurity guidelines so it's it's been interesting to see I guess the evolution of that topic so yeah I've definitely seen that more and more um too, and it's, a, it's a really important to bring light to it because mm-hmm. it is a huge concern, right? And I think reporting on that topic is really important to, to share that message with everybody. Yeah. So um, speaking of, you know, important topics in the news, what do you think is going to happen in the cybersecurity industry in 2018? Do you have any predictions? I know we touched on GDPR. What else do you think is going to take up headlines? Oh, um, well, yeah, I think, you know, we're going to continue to see, obviously, fluctuations and changes in cryptocurrency that's mm-hmm. been sort of the big buzz right now and uh, the trend of like crypto jacking um, you know we're gonna keep seeing I think major data breaches um, you know and I'm and I'm really curious to see once um, GDPR the the financial penalty deadline rolls in in May 2018 you know mm-hmm. kind of who is going after first, I guess, yeah. you know, and sort of how that changes the landscape for what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I think everyone's waiting to see what happens and like, what are the implications realistically yes. when this comes up. Um, so do you, you're here reading and, you know, writing and reporting on all of these issues out there. Um, do you follow some of the best practices that your resources suggest? <laughs> I mean, do you patch? Do you patch? Do you update? Do you I use do, strong passwords? I do patch, you know, <laughs> I also have the really high class, like, sticky note over my webcam sure, on my yep, computer, you, you know, <laughs> the basic security premise. Um, you know, I try to be good about using strong passwords. Um, you know, I've, I've recently gotten, like, a password manager, so... Oh that helps just because you have so much stuff to log mm-hmm. into all the time um you know and that was another one of my favorite articles that I wrote last year was about passwords and basically mm-hmm. why we suck at creating passwords and how yeah. we can get better um why do we suck at creating passwords well just because people tend to you know use the same password over and over especially yeah. if there's 
like I know a lot of accounts they require you like every 90 days you got to change your password yeah. and so sometimes that encourages people to use passwords that they've used before mm-hmm. or to just use a formula or you know to put it on a sticky note on their desk which right. isn't Oof. the safest policy. No. <laughs> do you find that um, password managers work? Do you think that they're secure or, or worth it? Um, I do. I mean, what I've read about them um, and, you know, talking to other people who use them, um, that I sort of trust their judgment. Yeah. Like, I think they are, but it is it is sort of an unnerving idea to be like, I'm going to put all my passwords in, like, one location. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely something that people should consider and take very seriously. Um, so where do you get your news from? Any um, you know, publications you follow, social media? Yeah, um, well, I, I subscribe to several, in addition to all my like, story pitch emails, mm-hmm. I also subscribe to some different newsletters that come in every morning. Um, my favorite, and it's not always stuff that I'm writing about, but it's just interesting, um, it's the MIT Technology Review sure. like daily download. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just have, you know, interesting things that are happening with technology that you should know about. Um, and I get a couple of briefs from, like, Politico and The Hill mm-hmm. every morning about what's going on with, like, cybersecurity and tech. Um, and also um, defense, because sometimes mm-hmm. that has, you know, uh, implications for, for cybersecurity and just our, the security management audience in general. Yeah. Um, so I read those, and then I read, like, you know, The New York Times, mm-hmm. Fox, um, you know, and Wired is my, one of my favorites. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love their stuff, so. Cool. Yeah, is it part of your, you know, morning ritual just to kind of, you know, sit there with your coffee and just figure out what's going on? I know, I know a lot of us do that here. Yeah, yeah, and I, and that's been one thing that I really like um, that a lot of people are doing now. We've mm-hmm. done it as security management for, like, forever, uh, since we had a website, I think. Uh, where we have a morning security brief where we mm-hmm. kind of just do right. a quick rundown of what's going on in the security world. But now, like, the New York Times, Reuters, a bunch of others, um, they have, you know, like, your daily morning brief. You know, what's happening in the world today? What what should you know about that's going down? Which is, I think, really helpful for people in general. And then it's really yeah. helpful for me to be like, oh, there's this big hearing or this new report came out mm-hmm. that I wasn't on my radar, but I should know about it. Yeah, definitely. I know there's a lot of conferences in the tech space in the cyberspace what do you think are the most influential conferences which ones do you like to attend or follow I mean I really like and I'm planning to go again this year um I really like RSA yep um, <laughs> be careful don't say it <laughs> No, um, I'm care- I'm cautious about it, because yeah. then no, I people saw you, email me. <laughs> and I saw you tweeted the other day that you already got have gotten some pitches about RSA for meetings, and yeah, I know it's starting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, I like RSA just because well, I go and I meet people, but then I I like to attend a lot of the different sessions just because um, you know to hear what people are researching mm-hmm. about or what's going on. Um, so RSA, and then um, this is. Uh, sort of more like legal regulatory one but um, the American Bar Association they do a lot of like great smaller events in DC Um, and I also always go to their they do this like national security law review Um, so sometimes they're talking about like cybersecurity or um, or drones things like that so it's really interesting Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, the International Association of Privacy Professionals okay uh, they have a conference. Their big annual conference is coming up in March. 
also mm-hmm. conveniently in DC, so <laughs> good to know. Local. Um, so yeah, and I they've been a really good resource as you know data privacy sure. is becoming more and more important. That's great, good to know. I bet um, GDPR will be a big topic there. Yes. This year. <laughs> I've looked at the agenda and there's definitely some hefty mm-hmm. GDPR coverage. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Great. Well, Megan, this has been awesome to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming in and allowing us to get a glimpse into your world. Um, we'll be thrilled to have you back on the show at some point. And for everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. And please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome.